I want to hear your opinion on something just to kind of get us in the vibe and warm us up a little bit. Yeah. House, Housewives of Beverly Hills. How do we feel about Garcelle? I love Garcelle. I love Garcelle. <laughs> and I love, I, so did you read what, how she talked about Kyle and how she's not a nice person? Wait, no. Tell me more. She, she like didn't, I think it was an interview. I saw it on like an article, but she said like, Kyle was always really fake to her, like, shooting and stuff, and, like, didn't really talk to her. And then Kyle was like, I never got that impression. Um, maybe she should have said something. So, like, according to Kyle, it was, it's fake, but Garcelle, she just doesn't strike me as, like, someone who just makes stuff up. Right, and Garcelle kind of pulled her card, though, um, when they were talking about Kyle, like, being fake, and Garcelle was just like, well, when she was saying that I was so glamorous, like, what did that mean? And that was such a loaded statement. I was just like, <laughs> you go to the Black woman, and you say, I didn't know you were so fabulous. Ma'am, you know what you're doing. What did you think? Right, <laughs> Kyle... <laughs> Kyle is a white woman. Mm-hmm. Like, and when she's confronted, what does she do? Cry. Cry. You ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Rose and Thorns. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Rose and Thorns podcast. I am P. Ryan, and I am super, super excited about our episode today. I am sitting here with dancer, actor, <laughs> beauty. Dev. <laughs> Shut up. Oh my God. Hey. hey. I am so excited to have you on. This is another episode of this quarantine podcast. They say we are about to be set free soon, but I don't trust it. Okay. Nope. Not at all. I'm so staying I'll, in my room. Say so. I'll be in the house. Okay. <laughs> but before we go any further, tell the people about yourself. <laughs> Well, hi, people. Um, my name is Dev, and as P. Ryan said, I'm a dancer, actor. I just say an artist and a lover of art. Yes. Um, I go by they, them pronouns, um, and I'm just super queer, super happy to create any type of art. I currently live in New York, where I'm pursuing makeup, acting, dancing, all the things, um, much like most New Yorkers. But yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Now, you said you're pursuing makeup. Uh Uh-uh. You are slaying (laughs) makeup, okay? If this was a TV show, this would be the part where I put in a clip of you and your amazing videos, okay? (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it was a random passion that I fell in love with and helped me discover my truest identity. So I'm really honored and grateful for makeup in my life. I just got so serious. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you can. Listen, let's go with the emotions. Embrace them. Don't fight them. <laughs> now, we know each other and have known each other for quite some time. So we actually met in undergrad um, at the University of Maryland College Park. Go Terps. Yeah. <laughs> and I really appreciate that moment because when I kind of just reflect on my different stages of schooling and just like my different stages of life, community really is a theme that comes up. Um, and although I, I like to say that we were kind of like emerging queers at that yeah, <laughs> I feel like there was such community in like the grade levels that we were in, like while we were in undergrad, right? So like above us, just want to shout them out and pay homage, right? Come on. There was Miss Greg David. You can find her on Instagram, right? Period, my sister. Yes, there's Remarvelous, right? And they really (laughs) were like the examples of what it could mean to like 
step in your fullness, right? And step in who you are. Um, and they really like provided a blueprint for me. In my grade, I think there was me. <laughs> when it comes to Black queens, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and then in the grade below, there was you. There was who I like to call Slade, Jarrell. <laughs> <laughs> They're actually a grade above me, but... Oh, sorry, sorry. I just thought you all were in the same grade. But we like, were really close for yeah, but yeah. I'm not that old. <laughs> okay, you're a young girl. Yes. Just spring chicken. Yeah. <laughs> but literally, that time was so beautiful because there was just such Black queer community, right? Even though we were small, we were just, like, such a force. Um, <laughs> but I mentioned before in undergrad we really were kind of like emerging queers at that time. And I think um, just looking at the exterior, you and I started to step into our fullness after undergrad, right? And you really see like the evolution of our Instagrams, right? And I think that's so yeah. important to note because even in 2020, there are a lot of people who still avoid stepping in their fullness. Right. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who, you know, just want to go along with the limits that others place on them or fit the little boxes um, that others place on them, whether it's in regards to race, sex sexual orientation, whether it's in regard to, you know, your presentation of masculinity or femininity. Um, but I'm wondering if you could share what it's been like developing your identity to this point, because you, as I said before, have really just stepped into your fullness. <laughs> Wow. Um, that's such a big question. Mm -hmm. Yes, I don't, I, like, to your point, I really did not, even just growing up as a child, I didn't have a lot of people to look at as a blueprint or to look at as, like, what the possibilities were. So, like, for me, people like Prince or Miss mm. J on America's Next Top Model were, like, as far as it could go. And even yeah. sometimes, like, someone like Miss J, I was like, I'm not really like that. You know, like you started to like other yourself. So it wasn't really until I met people like Greg. Greg was the first person that ever put makeup on me for a dance mm. performance. So um, it wasn't until I met people kind of like on my level and like in my immediate world that I really was able to see the possibility of like who I could be. Mm. Um, and I really think what I eventually learned is I've just become the person that I wanted to be as a child. Like I became, I always felt like the things and the desires I had, like either to present, like I always wanted to wear wigs and I always wanted to play in makeup and I wanted to play with Barbies and yeah. do all of these things that are, especially for black, young black people who present as male um, are considered so wrong. Um, mm -hmm. I, I I never allowed myself to really explore that beyond like my bedroom with the door locked. Yeah. Um, and so I, f I feel like that exploration of finding my identity was really just like rediscovering my childhood desires and becoming the person that I always wanted to be. So like now when I leave the house or walk down the streets of New York, which is the dream city I always wanted to live in, I can walk out in 30 inches of hair. I can walk out in a turban. I can walk out with no makeup. I can walk out with makeup. But for me, it's I'm presenting exactly how I want to feel that day. Whereas I feel like for the 20-something years before that, I was presenting as what is acceptable or what 
the only way I can. Like I didn't mm-hmm. feel like I was allowed or permitted to be who I am. So even for me, in a lot of ways, it doesn't feel super deep or revolutionary. It just mm-hmm. feels like I'm being the person I always wanted to be. Yeah. And while it doesn't feel super deep or revolutionary, it kind of is because so many people don't tap into who they want to be. Right. And so many people don't satisfy that child urge to be like, no, let me break free and be who I am. And that resonates so deeply with me because I, I really feel like I'm also doing the same, not just in the way, you know, that we embrace femininity, but even just like body positivity. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, as a child, like while my parents kind of affirmed my body, like, you know, the outside world always had something to say, right? And now I just give you what I give you. If it's a gut because, you know, I cook a lot, it's a gut because I cook a lot. You know what I mean? Yes, (laughs) give me that crop top. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And those are things that the inner child really just wants. And so, you know, while it doesn't feel super intense or super deep, like it's such a powerful thing that you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And then let's also touch on, um, you mentioned, you know, you looked at Prince and you looked at Miss J and you're just like, okay, this may apply to me. This may be not so much, right? That mm-hmm. is so powerful, right? Because like, even as you start to embrace your identity, there's people who even want to put you in a box when it comes to that, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you're wearing a weave. Okay, then you must fit this entire caricature you must fit this entire trope and it's just like no you have the right to kind of like pick choose refuse yeah and I feel like now that I've become a little more air quotes woke um (laughs) I what I struggle with is when like like, I'm compared to someone and I'm trying to say like no I actually don't see that like I it's like trying to find that balance of like you're not trying to put someone down because I do feel like when I was younger if I was compared to like a queer person or something like that, when I was still exploring, I would get very offended or I'd be like, that's not who I am. Like, mm-hmm. the, But now it's more so trying to show people that like we, especially as black queer people are yes. expansive and mm-hmm. we don't need to be like these three archetypes. Like even those people more than what they present to the media, they're so much deeper than that. Like I've mm-hmm. met Miss J. And yes, Miss J is like fabulous and everything, but there's more than just America's Next Top Model, Miss yes, J. Yes, yes. And I feel like a lot of times, especially Black femme presenting people are put into these like caricatures and archetypes and aren't like treated as like real holistic human beings. Mm, why do you think that is? Ooh, yeah, I just put you on the, spot, on the spot, sorry. <laughs> um, well, I think... Speaking from personal experience, a lot of times I'm made out to be, like, the entertainment or, like, the, um, like, a fabulous drag queen who's, like, a spectacle. Um, When, like, to me, I'm like, well, yes, I am fabulous. I do turn a look, but I also have a brain, and I went to the same school as you. Like, we were more than just, like, the exterior. Um, But I think a lot of times people a lot of times we just want to make, I don't know exactly why it's black people uh, predominantly, but we try to make them like this, like surface level beauty, entertainment, funny Mm. thing. It's the same thing we do to women and like the funny black friend trope. It's like, or like any, actually any like marginalized group. It's like, yeah, they, they can't be deeper than just like whatever society puts on them. um, Because then we're a threat. 
because if I'm beautiful and I turn looks and I have a brain and I can speak and I can defend myself, then I'm threatening. Um, right. Mm -hmm. If I show my complexity, I'm giving you more, like I'm giving you more than what you're giving. Right. Exactly. Right. And I'm proving that I'm actually more powerful than historically you have presented me and my community to be. Exactly. And I find it really frustrating. I've talked about, talked with a lot of friends about just how, especially like in like the non-binary community and even mm. like in a lot of um, just gay communities, like the people that are put on these pedestals and given platforms are Sam Smith or Nico Torta whatever like these white <laughs> these white and there's nothing wrong with that but these white queer people who um aren't the full story and aren't the people that really revolutionized and like got these movements going but i mean that's always been the case i mean we look at marsha p johnson mm -hmm. and sylvia rivera who started the pride movement they were trans women of color but they have been like so erased and white and like whitewashed from the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, it's like history's repeating itself in that way, and just trying to do my part to make that platform for people of color. Yeah, and I love. I would just want to echo your sentiments in saying that. Yeah, it's not wrong that they're actually getting these platforms, but I think what's also a little problematic is that you're right. They're mm, the appreciation that we have for them was built on the backs of people like Marsha P. Johnson, right? People mm -hmm. of color. And at the same time, there are still people of color who are queer, who are gender non-conforming, who are non-binary, who are still suffering. And these people in power are also not bringing light to those situations. Exactly. Instead of just appropriating the culture even more and just say, you know, just benefiting from it. Yeah. Yes. Mm, mercy. <laughs> <laughs> like shake the table like, okay Ooh. it's a mess it's a ma but at the same time there are people like you who are doing the work and I really have to just highlight and honor and this is why I wanted to have you on the show because you know you just even taking up space is shifting the the pendulum or shifting the the norm mm -hmm. thank you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now a really close person to me who will be on the show in episodes to come <laughs> took a word into my life and was just like, you can't fake authenticity, right? And when we talk about um, just kind of presenting yourself on social media, when we talk about, you know, journey to, this journey to step into your fullness, um, we can't ignore that there are some people who try to fit a gimmick to gain attention, right? There's some people who try to be like, you know, I'm on this path to healing or I'm becoming, you know, my full self. And we can really tell that it is just kind of like a, a marketing strategy to gain followers Speak. or to push a platform or to, you know, <laughs> to just not keep it real, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and we really can see that. And it's it, it doesn't pay off because even if it gets you those followers, even if it gets you, you know, the attention you were seeking, like, mm -hmm. what is that really doing, right? How long can you keep up with that facade? But you, on the other hand, portray kind of an authenticity that we can tell is real, right? And just watching your journey, that authenticity, that stepping into your fullness has really paid off. Now, I don't have your complete resume, but I'm going to tell <laughs> people just what you've accomplished 
since you've left the, the University of Maryland, as far as I know, and like how that kind of aligns with you stepping into your fullness and you presenting in your most authentic self. So you up and moved to New York City. And while a lot of people have like struggle stories, I'm not sure if you have one, feel free to share, <laughs> but you have seemed to like just thrive. So you've been in Paper Magazine. Your face is now blessing Fluid Beauty, which is a um, makeup um, company that's gender affirming and also cruelty free. Yeah. Yeah. You are currently being represented by CESD Dance Agency. Okay, representation and agent. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> She's like, and, and this, right, you didn't really share with your social media until later. But when I received it, my wig fell off and just flew out the window. Okay. You were on pose. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I started screaming. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I know, I know this person. I know this person. <laughs> I was freaking out. <laughs> Now, I don't want to limit your accomplishments by um, just saying that these are consequences of you being authentic, right? It's not that you decided to be authentic and, ooh, all of this stuff came to you. Like, I'm sure you've worked your ass off um, and you've really put in work to get where you are. Super curious, what was it like for you when you first arrived to New York City? And can you share some of the moments that maybe weren't so glamorous for you? Yeah, um... So New York is very intimidating and very scary. Um, I don't think we always present that when we moved there and everything, but it was not easy. Um, so I actually moved there for a job with VaynerMedia, which is like a marketing agency, because um, I have a background in marketing and was like working in a, a corporate agency job, which was stressful in itself. Um, so my first probably two or three months in New York, I had zero friends. I was working a job that was like, I'd work from like 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. So I didn't really have a lot of time to um, really pursue <laughs> anything outside of that. Um, and I didn't really have time to like make friends, network, do anything. So all I did outside of work was play in my room and like make makeup videos and do makeup looks, which in a full circle moment, I think really helped kind of solidify who I am and who I was. Like I had a lot of me time um, in the beginning of New York, but to be honest, when I first moved to New York, I wanted to come back. I was really lonely, really depressed. It was the kind of thing where you're like, you get your dream, something you've wanted forever, and it doesn't look like what you expected it to look like. Like I thought, I'm gonna go to New York, I'm gonna go on all these auditions, I'm gonna like live my best life, I'm gonna be networking, having fun. And I moved to New York, had like no friends. One of my roommates was like one of my best friends from college, but she was like not there for a month. So like mm. I was just literally, it, I think like it all happened for a reason because it, it made me like, really ground myself when I moved to New York and like really focused on what I wanted and like the first majority of my first year in New York was really about like me figuring out like can I do this corporate job is this really what I want to do can I like do this job and pursue the things that I really want to do and ultimately I couldn't so I ended up quitting that job which was mm -hmm. scary also um so 
it was like a really tough time. That first year was really hard. It yeah. was like <laughs> loss after loss and just like the mm. mental the mental health aspect of it, which I don't think a lot of people speak about, mm-hmm. was probably the hardest for me. Um, because I am someone who deals with social anxiety in a city like New York is crazy. Same. And then and then um depression and then working a a job that was predominantly white on a team that like they were nice people but it just wasn't the healthiest environment for me um so there were a lot of there were weeks where I would like walk to the train from work just crying and in New York Mm -hmm. you can cry and I'm not a crier but in New York you can cry and no one even looks at you which Mm -hmm. is like kind of kind of cool and kind of like okay it'd be nice if someone like gave me like a look of like affirmation yeah it'll get better but like being that lonely and that sad um and uh that lonely that sad and then just like all of like the mental health um what like uh impacts on me it was really tough um and so I really was like talking to friends from home I got to a point where I would go back to DC like every other week mm-hmm. and I was just like what's the point like why am I in New York if I can't even like get away from like my support system like I can't do it on my own I was like I need to go back I miss my people so for me it was really hard and I realized that like DC was kind of a crutch for me mm-hmm. um those friends that I had I love them I still talk to them but I was using them as a way to like not move on Mm. um because new york wasn't feeding me in the way that i dreamed that it would um and so i eventually was like okay i'm gonna not go to dc for like a few months i'm gonna like make a point to go to events even if it's by myself and just really put myself out there um and then eventually it did get better but yeah i i think honestly if you do look at some of my posts i did like talk about that in captions just because i was like crying for help yeah you totally did yeah <laughs> and for me like instagram didn't always used to be that but i at, to your point i do try to really be authentic and show that like my instagram isn't just about like beauty and even if i am gonna show like makeup i'm gonna talk about how i'm struggling um mm-hmm. so it was really hard um that first six months of new york was just like it kicked my ass but mm-hmm. Now I feel like I'm kicking it down, so... You certainly <laughs> are. And I appreciate you for just being so vulnerable <laughs> and sharing that story, right? Because you're right. So many of us like to present the highlight reels on social media, right? Even mm-hmm. though you have put in your captions some of the things that you've been going through. But I think of just, like, other people who gain success. You, th- you When you look at their profiles and things you just see win after win after win and one thing that people don't realize is that it takes a lot of losses (laughs) to get to those wins a lot like (laughs) it's a lot like (laughs) i'm over here about to cry again just think about it Mm. because today is today is actually the two-year anniversary of me moving to new york like this Mm. is the day that I moved in and was like, I did it. And then it was like a week later, I was like, I did it, do it. I need to go back. So yeah, it's kind of wild for me when I think about it because it doesn't feel like I've been in New York for two years of my life. 
you survived New York. I will say I survived or am almost surviving this whole doctoral program thing, right? And I'm one of those people who are just out here throwing out the winds, right? Like, oh, published article here. Oh, dissertation almost done here. But if y'all only knew the times (laughs) I... Came home, cried my eyes out. The times when my bank account said, you can't even go outside and breathe fresh air, okay? That bitch, you tried it. Right. (laughs) The times when I... Hanging around with F boys, right? Okay. (laughs) That could mess up your mental health, too. (laughs) That will always, 10 out of 10, mess everything up. But you mentioned that before you started hitting the winds, you it took you getting to this point where you had to let go of the crutch, right? And you decided to kind of just like immerse yourself back in New York. What got you to that point? What kept you motivated and kept you kind of just like in the groove to be like, listen, I need to let go of all the things at home that feel safe and really just immerse myself into this thing that feels a little shitty. <laughs> Um, I think it came to a point of, like, it was either this or that. Like, it was like, okay, I'm either at the end of this year going to end up coming back to, like, D.C., Maryland area, um, or I'm going to stay in New York. And honestly, it was my ego being like, I'm not going to be another one of those, like, D.C. dancers who moves and then comes back as because they couldn't, like, get it together. Mm. Um, so, so <laughs> I don't know if that's, like, the best answer, but it was like, no, I'm not going to be a... <laughs> yeah, it was like... Which I was like, I'm not going to be an air quotes, like in my mind at the time, a loser. Like, I'm not going to be like letting people know that I lost. Like, New York got the best of me after I was talking all this shit. Like, I'm going to New York and I'm going to be a star and da da da. Um, so I was like, no, we have to get this together. And I, I am someone who like journals and like was spending a lot of time with myself reflecting. And I was just like, I'm using DC and my friends back home as a way to not really commit to being here in this city. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, that was really why I had to like cut them off. And I didn't like not talk to them anymore. I just wasn't like, I need to come to DC and go to town every other week with shout out to town. Like as if I hadn't been doing that for the past. Come on, RIP town. (laughs) But I actually hate town. It was more of a cobalt thing. Yeah. I like black queers. Um, <laughs> Heard you. Yeah. <laughs> but, yes. <laughs> I'm dying. But, um, so for me, it was really just about committing to the city and committing to making friends. And so I started, like, I think it was really during Pride when I really started to, like, um, commit to, like, the events. Because that's, like, in New York, Pride is when you don't need the invite to anything. There's a panel everywhere. There's, mm. uh, there's a networking event. Like, New- Pride just takes over New York. Um, and so that was really how I met a lot of the friends and a lot of the people who both, like, shaped my view of New York and, like, finding those queer spaces. Because when I first moved here, I didn't, I didn't know anyone queer. I didn't have any sort of, like, sisterhood or family mm. in those ways. Um, And I realized that is what I was really missing. Like, that is why I love DC so much is because I have, like, my queer dancer friends that, Mm -hmm. like, at the end of the day, we can be turning up or we can be, like, in the house. And I just really needed that. Um, And so once I met those people and met, like, like like-minded people, people even more similar to me than the people in DC, to be honest, um, I 
I just felt more comfortable to like walk into any room and really know who I am and, and felt validated. Absolutely. And so, so I try to act like I'm sorry. I no try bad. to act like I'm this like <laughs> I try to act like I'm this independent bitch, but really I needed I just need some friends and family. Um but isn't that yeah. right? So like we can present as if like, you know, we're doing this on our own, but not even Beyonce does it on her own. Right? Okay. You need a community. You need people to support you because there are going to be times when, you know, things get rough and things get low. And if you just depend on yourself, you're going to die, girl. <laughs> die. <laughs> and bitch, I was dying. <laughs> Listen, there is no vibe without the tribe, okay? And yes. so I am so happy that you found your New York tribe. Now, you mentioned um, this piece about mental health, right? And, you know, we all have a little touch of something. You talked about social anxiety. <laughs> I just want people to know, if you see me sweating in a crowd... That's what it is, right? <laughs> you talked about depression. Um, and you mentioned that, you know, things are a little bit different for you now than they were when you first moved to New York. Um, but I'm curious because, you know, managing mental health is kind of a lifelong thing, right? And sometimes you gotta, mm-hmm. you have to change up the beat depending on the obstacle that you're faced with, right? Not only are we facing this COVID situation, we are quarantined. A lot of us are like physically removed from um, just being engaged with others, right? Zoom mm-hmm. is cute, but it's not <laughs> an actual person. Yeah. Right. How are you managing your mental health in this moment? And what are some skills you're tapping into, if any? Ooh. Honestly, <laughs> I would say that I'm not doing the best job. I feel like I... Um, probably because I'm like back at home, which I won't be for long. Um, it kind of takes me back into a high school state of mind and like mm. puts me in and places where I wasn't feeling at my best or like the most equipped. So one, going back to like my safe space of New York is going to be like realizing for myself that I can only be home for mm. a certain period of time. And we've, very like far surpassed that amount of time um and then two um I would say really journaling and reflecting um both on like I try to focus a lot on like um what my wins are Mm. and the good things about myself because I think naturally I focus so much on the negative so something that I started last year was like anytime I have a win I write it down um, and, and it's, like, on a page and, like, listed by um, year mm-hmm. because I will forget, like, I could win a Grammy and a year later someone be like, when you won that Grammy, I'm like, did I win a Grammy? Right. So, so I really try, I'm trying to, like, live in those moments and my friends are always like, yeah, you don't, like, tell anyone when you're excited about something and then you don't tell anyone until it comes out and then you never speak about it again. Um, and so I'm really trying to, like, live in those moments and like be excited about things um and so like for me journaling has been a big part of that it's just like forcibly like forcing myself to like be like bitch you did do that and this is what you want to do and this is what you're gonna do and so for me even just like reading back I'll like have pages that are like these are my goals Mm -hmm. and then I'll look at like these are my accomplishments and I'm like wow you did 95% of everything you like wanted it yeah. for the year um and for me that 
helps me so much because I think I get lost in like feeling like what's the point or like my voice doesn't matter or what I do doesn't matter. Um, so when I write down like, oh, someone DM'd me about how I changed their life or this happened and this happened, then I can really like sit in that and um, be like proud of myself. Yeah, it's hella affirming. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so dope. That's so dope. Now, as we laugh, uh, excuse me, as we wrap up the life section, <laughs> what advice would you have for other Black, queer, gender nonconforming people who may be thinking about taking a risk on themselves or pursuing their dreams, whether that mean moving to another city, quitting that job, um, I don't know, just diving headfirst into a passion? Mm. One, I would say, ooh, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think a big part of it is like, you don't have to dive headfirst. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it may look like I dived headfirst, but I want to move to New York for the majority of my life. I tried to create a way to move that would be like fiscally responsible. So I moved mm-hmm. with a new job. Um, so to people, because I don't like, broadcast all that it does look like I just picked everything up and left but I really planned for it um and made sure that it was like something I wanted um and I kind of set myself up for success so I do think yes follow your dreams dive first into things as far as like a big move or a big life change but also give yourself the time to talk to people who have done it before get advice you don't have to take all the advice I take no advice but I listen (laughs) Um, so I say like listen to different people's perspectives different people have done these things before so really reach out um and don't feel like you have to like pack all your things drive in your car and like go to LA tomorrow like that does work for people but if you know like you are not that person don't try and force yourself to be that person and like for me I'm not that person I'm like a I do take risks, but I'm like calculated risks. Like I'm like, we need to make sure that I'm not going to end up on the streets because I won't be happy. There are people, I have friends that are like starving artist types that don't really care if they're like not Mm -hmm. eating for three days for their dream. And I just knew for me personally, that would never work. So even when I quit my job in New York, I made sure I was going to be able to do like makeup consulting or like influencer stuff. Like I made sure I was in a place where I may not be making as much money or may not be set up as much in that way, but I will be good. Yeah. Um, and so I just say, be really honest with yourself and what you can handle and the lifestyle you want when you make those risks, because you can take the risk from like a super high risk or a calculated risk. And I think either is fine, but you just need to know for yourself what you can handle. Yeah. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. I absolutely love that. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for that. Mm. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Have a plan. Have a plan, Saints. (laughs) Yeah. Always. Heard you loud and clear. (laughs) Now... (laughs) We here at Rosé and Thorns, we talk about the highs and lows of life and relationships, right? And so we talked about life. Let's get into your business and talk about love, right? (laughs) Right. Well, that might be enough business, okay? (laughs) That tells it all. Now, are you open to dating right now? Um, 
Well, we're in a pandemic, so no. Right. <laughs> well, listen, you know, Zoom dates are a thing. <laughs> not, not, for not for you. Not for me. I date my friends during the pandemic. Um, but outside of a pandemic, like, would I date right now? Honestly, I think my head is like, yes, I want to. But actually, my head is like, no. basically, it's like, yes, I want to. But I'm not really allowing myself to because I'm... And being that 30-year-old woman that's like, I'm focused on my career. Um, mm-hmm. So I've, I've told people, like, I feel like I would have to be tricked into dating. Like, I would have to meet someone that starts off as a friend. And then on month number two, you're looking at him or her or them um, in a way that, like, I'm seeing them in a different light. So, yeah, I would have to be, like, kind of fall into something with someone at this point. I'm not actively searching but if you like you want to sign my dms you can't read it you. right <laughs> i won't re- i won't reply but i'll read it <laughs> i feel that so i was reflecting on just where i am with relationships right now too and i'm kind of just like i'm not pressed but i mean like hey if you pop up listen you pop up <laughs> right and now go ahead I must say, look, I've heard many of your stories. Oh, <laughs> listen, that's why I'm not pressed no more. <laughs> Queen of Jacks over here. Yes. Oh, you know what? I would like to proudly say we are in what? We're approaching June. June is like tomorrow. I am a good six months off of Jack. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I had to apply. my life. <laughs> I feel like I delete every app like every other day and then I'm like I'm bored yes yes but you gotta move past that bored situation if you want your (laughs) blessing (laughs) with your name on it okay okay now you mentioned that sometimes um on your social media you'll put like you know when you're kind of going through some stuff and so I went down to your social medias and I pulled a caption that really blessed my heart (laughs) so you said stay away from the trade y'all it only ends in heartache and trauma and incredible (laughs) art excuse me now I might be old, right? But I feel like there are so many definitions of what the trade is. Like, I come from the old school where the trade used to be, you know, a straight person who, you know, would do a little something strange for a piece of change. Then (laughs) into now, it seems like the community is saying trade is like a queer man, but who presents as more like hyper-masculine, right? So in your, what's your definition of trade and what has been your experience with trade? You are nosy. I am. Listen, the purpose of the show is to get in people's business. (laughs) I was here to talk about lip gloss and... (laughs) But... um, So, honestly, I would say both of your definitions are right, and I apply both of them to those captions. Um, Usually when I say trade, I'm just talking about someone who's more straight, cis, male, passing. Mm. Um, Usually, historically, trade is like people of color so like a dl black man or Mm -hmm. like someone who would you would perceive as dl they may not actually be um and they usually have a lot of masculinity issues that they need to unpack and deal Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. which which can lead to heartbreak when you're a little black femme like me heard you um (laughs) who has to be a secret (laughs) 
Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But I've also, like, I think when I wrote that, the person I was talking about was, like, a white gay. I just use trade, like, <laughs> and I use it as anything. Anyone that's getting on my nerves that day. <laughs> um, <laughs> also, can we just acknowledge that white gays... Sound the alarm. <laughs> Sound the alarm. Okay. They're a problem. They're a problem. Listen. Let them go. Get rid of them. Let them go. Okay. <laughs> what did you say in the caption? It only ends in heartache and trauma <laughs> and incredible art. Okay. <laughs> okay. And look, some of my best work, both on. Wait, I was about to get nasty and oh, on I mean, the face. <laughs> Some of my best work has been with the trade. So, you know, they need to stay around, but they need to know their place. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And do the internal work because you can be healthy trade. <laughs> but right. do you choose to be? <laughs> no, you want to be rough trade. <laughs> and do I like rough trade? Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> But I'm trying to move past that. I'm a grown woman now. Like, I can't be wrapped up in this. It's mess. It's mess. I'm too old, too grown. What do I look like in these streets? Listen, you look like me. Okay. (laughs) With degrees. Come on. Listen, you can have degrees and still be a hot mess. Okay? Look at the material. That's... That's a memoir. I'll read that book. Coming soon. (laughs) Now, I wouldn't be myself if I didn't acknowledge that, you know, dating as femme presenting, as you mentioned, you know, being a secret, but dating as femme presenting or gender non-conforming, non-binary, comes with some sort some risk, right? Not only the risk of being a secret or being fetishized, but a risk of actual physical, mental, spiritual violence yeah um Mm -hmm. how do you navigating i'm sorry words how do you navigate and i have a little wine in my sparkling water (laughs) (laughs) how do you navigate dating um with that risk um and work to kind of keep yourself safe in all areas um as a non-binary person that is a great question and an important question and probably an area I'm not the most versed at. I do, especially like when I first moved to New York, um, I took a lot of risk and put myself in situations that probably weren't always the safest, um, which is not good, um, Mm. just being fully transparent. Um, But I think moving forward, honestly, I just don't engage as much or I don't really... I'm not really on these, like, I'm on these apps, but I'm not meeting up with people and yeah. doing those sort of things. But I, I do think people can do that, and that's definitely what I used to do. But I think um, being smart and honestly telling people your business, which is, like, something I am not great at, but, like, it's if tough. you're going to meet up with someone, you probably should tell someone because the truth is, especially for someone like me um, who's, like, walk like even outside of dating, you know, just walking down the street mm-hmm. at night mm-hmm. as someone who is visibly, you know, like trans um, or femme passing or even cis women have those same issues. So 
there's just a level of like safety and precaution you need to take. Um, and I know I've been put in situations both in dating or in um, just my everyday life where I felt unsafe in New York. And I, and I know people who have been in much worse, situ- worse situations than anything I've ever been in. So it's definitely something to keep in mind of, but I feel like the bigger question is like, I feel like the question is always about like the femme person and how they're like navigating these spaces. But I, I really think the, the question should be, how are we creating a space where you just aren't misogynistic or femphobic? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're still, we're still making it all about like, what are you doing to be safe? But we should be creating a safe space. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't How see do that we create happening this? right yeah. now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we need to create spaces where men, um, especially of color, because if we're being honest, those are the ones doing a lot of the damage in these situations, um, feel comfortable to be with them people or yes. trans women um, because we don't live in a community or an environment where that is acceptable where like a straight black man could be like yeah I'm with this black trans woman and and what like it's always a joke or it's always um, if someone does do that it's like an attack at their masculinity um, and so I think that is really the issue is like the how like this whole the non-binary and the trans and gender non-conforming movement is seen as like an attack on the like black masculinity Mm -hmm. that i think is the bigger issue um and i think that's why um people don't really value trans lives or femme lives yeah um yeah and i mean just even looking at my own like dms it's like (laughs) The little chasers, the yeah. little trans chasers and femme chasers that are in my DMs are like these mask DL men that I don't even try to engage with because I'm just like, this is mess. I mean, I have, let's be honest. I have engaged. <laughs> yes. if, if the profile picture is giving, but um, for the most part, I don't because I don't feel safe um, in those ways. And I know that it's not going to go anywhere. Like these people are using or trying to fulfill their desires and their fantasies and honestly the things they really are attracted to but can't feel like they can't openly do right um and i think everyone knows what that feels like like i talked about in the beginning being in my room like trying to be the spin person that i am but Mm -hmm. having to do it in the privacy of my own room so i definitely know what it's like to to um be held down by like the black masculinity structure yeah but But at the same time you've done the work to kind of reshape your identity and step into that right for yourself and so you know if we're going to create spaces for black men to you know express themselves fully they also have to do the internal work of kind of like reworking the norm the masculine norms that they've been taught right Mm -hmm. and challenging those norms and being like no i'm gonna curate a masculinity that is true to me right Mm. Mm. yeah because i mean honestly i think i'm pretty masculine (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. Always laugh. Sometimes I give a little trade in my house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not in your house. People always laugh at me because I'll be like, I feel so masked today. And they're like, you have a curse hanging from your wrist. But I'm like, I'm wearing sweatpants and yeah. a snapback <laughs> over my 30, over my wig. But yeah, I think that's the other thing is like, I guess a big part of me and like my non-binaryness is like not believing in that binary, not believing mm-hmm. that it's this or that. Um, the people I looked up to, the Aaliyahs, the princess, were always kind of blurring that line, yeah. like one or the other. So it makes sense that that's kind of what I aspire to do. Um, and I think that is really where everything should be going um, mm-hmm. because there is no this or that. At all. Anyone that's anyone that's saying like I'm them, I'm just them, is they're putting that on themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No one, no one is just one anything. Um, and so, I think that is one of the biggest issues is that other races men are allowed to be femme and yeah, and it's celebrated. Kiss, yeah, and, and kiss boys and slap each other on the butts and wear a skirt and do you know like they're mm-hmm. allowed to do all of that. But for our community. And I think it's really deeply rooted in our history. Absolutely. Um, it's so much deeper and such a bigger deal. Yeah. Um, like we we were literally stripped yeah. from our original, you know, environment, brought to this place. Our humanity was absolutely taken away from us, right? And then we had to fight to try to even be seen as partially human, right? And like, mm-hmm. how do we make those efforts to be seen as human? Well, fit into these tropes that, you know, white people gave us, right? And try to mm-hmm. adhere to them, you know, with like a, a strong grasp, right? But it's not right. working. It's not creating healthy beings. It's not really giving us humanity. It's, I don't know, suppressing our humanity even more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think this could be, this could literally be its own episode, but <laughs> I think <laughs> for me, what really got me out of all of that was dance. Um, yes. When I yes. when I first, when I first went to Maryland, I was straight. Um, Same. <laughs> makes Same. me laugh. <laughs> um, and I was the only one who saw that or thought that way. But so I would get put in. <laughs> I would always get put into these like feminine dances, and I would. At first, I was really uncomfortable by it, and then I slowly, it was like, this is where I belong. This mm-hmm. is right. This is home. And I've seen it, the same thing happen with, like, fully straight men, black straight men. It's, for some reason, in the dance community, they're, you're allowed to explore mm-hmm. both spectrums. Like, I'll be in a Tupac dance, and then I'll be in a Danity Kane dance. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Um, and I think... When you see, like, even just, like, seeing that exploration for, like, straight men, there's, like, a level of joy and happiness they get out of just, like, it's it's freedom out of yeah. getting to, like, getting to just, like, let loose and beef them and whip their hair and just, like, express mm-hmm. that other side. Because, really, you're just, like, putting so much tension in your body and, like, locking yourself into this one thing for so long. It's so much trauma. Mm-hmm. Um that there really is a sense of freedom. And it's not even just a sense of freedom and being feminine. It's a sense of freedom and just being, being yourself. however you, yeah, yeah being yeah. yourself, being however femme or mask you feel. Like for me, when I do a dance, I'm like, okay, it's a feminine dance. How far do I want to take it? Like, what am I feeling today? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Or if it's a masculine dance, one of my favorite things is like putting like a masculine femme spin on like a, a mask dance, you yeah. know, like there's, 
there's fun that can be had with all of these things. And I'm grateful to be in a place where now I can see the fun of it and not making everything so much more than what it is. Cause I think that's what like the masculine issue is. It's like, there's nothing wrong with masculinity, but you're like making it such a heavy, deep, personal thing like that you have your to mask, commit to you gotta commit. yeah yeah like <laughs> oh your mask so now you can't like use soap like what right. <laughs> like you can't like, be you, clean yeah like now your lips gotta be dry because your mask like it's like, like no. you're you're putting all of this on yourself and just all this stress and coming from someone who's done it i'm just like or who's had other people do it to me because i'm mm lived in the family where it's like don't have a limp wrist don't do don't walk like that mm. and I naturally sway my hips I naturally like that all is just innate to me uh I, I have four brothers but I'm still this way so it's not it's not a product of my environment or anything yes. um that's just how my body wants to move and how I want to be um and I just I honor my body and my presence in mm. the moment Mm-hmm. And I just think we we all need to do that. If you want to put some lip gloss on, put some lip gloss on. It's yes. fine. Yes. Honor your body and your presence. That's what you said, yeah? Presence? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> that blessed me. <laughs> Shut up. One last thing. Complete this phrase. Happiness is. Happiness is freedom. Mm. Mm-hmm. Am I supposed to explain it? No, you don't have okay. to. Don't just touch me. I'm just taking in the moment. <laughs> oh my goodness! I appreciate you so much for being on this. Oh, this did my heart well. This did my heart real good. Okay. So Thanks. right now we are going to spin the bottle. Oh. <laughs> no. Is there gonna be a sound? <laughs> yeah, there is. That's why I took a pause. <laughs> Now, at the end of every Rosé and Thorns episode, I allow the interviewee to ask me one question that I have to answer. It can be as juicy or as dry as you'd like. Boom, go. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of questions. Okay, let me. what's something I genuinely want to know? Okay, um... Ooh. Ah. Give me like two seconds. Yes. <laughs> I kinda wanna ask like a college question, like something like Oh you can get the tea. You I'm can. trying to think though. Like, I don't know. There wasn't it. much tea to get. Oh, that's like one regret. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't oh. as frisky and flirty as I could have been. Okay, okay. Um Okay, let me just add something like Okay, can I ask like a, a question and then a follow-up? I'll allow it. So have you, have you, yes. Have you ever been heartbroken? Oh, many times. Yeah. I'm just now in a healing okay. space. <laughs> yes. Okay, so tell me, you don't have to go super deep. Tell me about your biggest heartbreak and the lessons that came from it. Ooh, were you really trying to get my tea? Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> How do I do this? Mm authentically yes that's true but i also mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay so first part tell me about the biggest um the biggest was i was with someone who i had no business being with Mm. i was with someone who was partnered 
Um, Jazz. Yeah. And, you know, the partner didn't know. So there's that. (laughs) Um, And I think, you know, it started off super casual, um, but you know, I'm a person who feels, uh, I'm a person who loves hard and I felt and loved hard. Um, and it wound up mm-hmm. messing up not only that relationship, but then like relationships around it. Um, so my mind just went insane and, um, I don't know. It just kind of like, yeah, it jacked up a lot. Um, and then, what hurt the most was like, I think I experienced a lot of losses, um, but the one thing that I didn't gain was reciprocity from that person. Um, One thing I learned from that is to not give, don't give your spirit to somebody who ain't giving their spirit back. That part, come on. You don't deserve that boo. And it's only going to cause you what? Period. Let's, let me bring back your quote. It's going to cause you heartbreak and trauma <laughs> <laughs> and incredible art because I was able to um, create beautiful songs <laughs> after that. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yes, Adele. You said I got, I got a word. Okay. Don't you remember? <laughs> that was good. I saw myself. <laughs> um, well, I just wanted to thank you so much again for being on the show. This was absolutely fabulous. This shows me that the quarantine episodes can work, and I'm going to just be out here collecting content, okay? Yeah. <laughs> All right. This has been another episode of the Rose and Thorns podcast. As always, everyone, I am P. Ryan. Oh, before I forget, Dev, please give the people your um, social media handle so they can follow you and hype you up. Yes, follow me, hype me up, show me love, give me lit. Uh, my Instagram and Twitter are devdo, D-E-V-D-O-E-E. That's pretty much it. Yes. Oh, and that's YouTube too. Yes, get into the YouTube. You'll see some amazing videos. Okay, now back to my outro script. Thank you guys so much again. This has been another episode <laughs> of the Rosé and Thorns podcast. As always, I am P. Ryan. Bye. Thank you for listening to Rosé and Thorns, a P. Ryan podcast. You can find Rosé and Thorns on Instagram and Twitter at Rose and Pod. That's R-O-S-E-N-T-P-O-D. And you can find P. Ryan on Instagram and Twitter at I am P. Ryan. That's I-A-M-P-R-Y-A-N. See you next time.